Welcome to the Seek 24 podcast. I'm John Michael Lucido, and I am so glad that you are here. This podcast is a place of community, collaboration, and inspiration created to invite and encourage you deeper into relationship with Jesus. So here we go. Welcome into this episode of the Seek Podcast. This is a special crossover edition between two Focus staff members. I'm Chad Etzel, and I'm a leadership coach for Focus. And I'm Jessica Naven. I am Focus's manager of spiritual formation. And we are both excited to deliver some pre-Seek content for you as we help you get excited for the Seek Conference. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we're going to be doing a deep dive into Advent and the meaning of Advent. But before we do that, we're going to share a little bit about our podcasts. And one is mine. I host a podcast called Catholic Single and Flourishing. My goal is to help Catholic singles live a God-inspired calling today while also preparing for a permanent vocation in the future. Of course, I talk about things like dating, but beyond that, I also talk about things like how to live life. I had Dr. Sri on the podcast one time talking about the art of living in the Catholic single life. I had Jonathan Texera, who has a, the Wallet Win Catholic Money podcast, coming on and talking about a Catholic approach to money. And I also had an episode that I did pre-Seek last year where I talked about four lessons I learned going on a date at Seek. So many episodes for you to check out there. I encourage you to check it out either on the Seek podcast here or on my channel, Catholic Single and Flourishing. And my podcast is He Leadeth Me. It's a spiritual formation podcast for focused staff, students, and friends. And so we cover a wide variety of topics, all related to the spiritual life. We have episodes on how to discern God's will and episodes on the saints. For instance, is Focus alumna Michelle DePong a saint? And just anything that relates to the spiritual life, helping people to pray, to enter into the liturgy, to grow in their intimacy with Jesus. And we found that this was a great opportunity to do a crossover because we felt like our audience had some crossover in themselves. And that's why we wanted to, to do this episode. And as we're airing this, it's in the general space of Advent, in preparing for Advent. And we wanted to get to the spiritual meaning of Advent, get behind the spiritual meaning of Advent, and also relate it to our lives as well as give you all practicals. Because I think at times we look at Advent and we just kind of think of it, it's kind of like Lent, you know, you have the purple and it's like leading up to Advent, but Lent is oftentimes where we go all in. So we just felt like that this would be a great opportunity to, to give some spiritual meaning behind Advent and some practical ways that you can live out this Advent season as we lead up to Christmas. And in particular, Advent. Jessica, what do you know about the, the meaning of the word Advent? I think it means coming, doesn't yeah, it, Chad? Yeah, it does. It does. Good job. You passed that test. Thank you. The coming, coming of what? The coming of Christ. Yes, yes. And the Catechism talks about the coming of Christ in paragraph 524. It says, when the church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present the ancient expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for his second coming. So breaking that down, coming, Advent means coming in, in Latin. And in particular, we're celebrating two comings. One which is people are most familiar with, which is the nativity, the birth of Christ, his first coming. So we're reliving that, the, the centuries of anticipation of Jesus Christ coming. But we are also anticipating his second coming, 
which has not happened here in this world. But we are anticipating that through this this season. So I think it's important just to have that situated and remember that as kind of the the spiritual meaning behind Advent, because that that helps us know how to prepare and how to live this. And, you know, I think that this is a really good way to look at the second coming of Christ by looking at the first coming, because we see all of these movies and books where the second coming is predicted and it's scary. It's uh, predicted with lots of wars and different things. And Jesus does talk about that in the Gospels, but we can kind of be afraid and we can almost wish that he wasn't coming yet because there are people in our families that need to be converted and all of that. And so I think that when we think about the second coming, we tend to be afraid. It's something that feels very foreign to us and we're scared. And yet when we think about the first coming, we're just so joyful. And we think about God humbling himself to be a little baby, to be accessible to us. And so if we remind ourselves, when Jesus first came, there was such joy that entered into the world and he came as our humble savior, then we can be less afraid of the second coming. And and I think that's an important point is to have that joy or that attitude of that it's not just waiting, but it's anticipation. And really one of the messages of Advent is, This is how we live on God's timing and we prepare, we anticipate, but we live with joy. So I think that's a a fantastic point. It's not so much scary end of the world type of thing, but we are anticipating Christ coming with joy. And one of the ways that we really see that is through one of the gospel readings, and we're going to be diving into this. It's the second Sunday in Advent. And it's Mark 1, 1 to 8. So we're really going to be taking that apart, getting the spiritual understanding of Advent through this particular verse. We're going to be breaking it into sections. So we're not going to read the whole thing right now. But I, I think what it, this does, having the spiritual understanding then allows us to, to understand how this relates to our lives, how Advent and how God is calling us to live Advent in our lives, but then also practically prepare in our, our spiritual lives as well. So with that, Let's jump into the gospel according to Mark. Mark 1.1 says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. All right. This is like a very profound statement. And it actually kind of sounds very mundane. If you're a 21st century American like me, it's like, yeah, it sounds kind of mundane. But in reality, when it was written, when Mark wrote this gospel, it would have been earth shattering. And I'm going to read it again. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, why would it be earth-shattering? Well, the word gospel had some connotations in the Roman Empire, and of course, to the Jewish people, it, it meant something very profound. But specifically, when the emperor won, say, a victory in in a war, he would issue a gospel. The Greek was euangelion. And essentially, this is a message of salvation. So I think a lot of times we translate gospel as good news, right? But I think good news, our English modern translation just kind of falls short because it's good news that if I get a raise at work or good news, if I get like a puppy or something like that, you know, that's all good stuff. But the gospel is the greatest news in the history of humanity. This is salvation for the whole world. And what Mark is doing is he's declaring that it's Jesus Christ who brings salvation and victory. It's not Caesar. So this would be earth shattering stuff. And I think this ties in very well with the theme. What is the the theme for seek? Be the light. Be the light. Exactly. And, And this isn't something that's just like be generically inspiring. This isn't something that's like 
just be a good person, you know, just generic. But it's something that be the light and the light that enters the world is, is the light of Christ. He brings the gospel. So being the light is being the light of Christ. This is proclaiming the gospel with our lives. So I think that's an important thing to remember. Mark 1, 1, this is really at the heart of Advent that the gospel is coming. The, the message of salvation is coming. And then in addition to this, there's a Jewish understanding of the word euangelion, the word, word for gospel. And that's something that we, we see in the next couple of verses. In Mark 1, 2, it says, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before thy face who shall prepare thy way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. All right. This is a quote from Isaiah 40. What do you think? So this is Mark 1, 3 and Mark 1, 3 is part of the readings of the second Sunday in Advent. What do you think is the first reading of the second Sunday in Advent? I don't know, Chad, tell me. It's the same same verse in Isaiah 40. And so this is where we, we really get this Jewish context. I'm unpacking all this because I think it's just very, very important to understand the historical context or the, the Jewish religious context because it paints the picture of what they're waiting for. So Isaiah 43 is, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. And what you see, and I'm not going to read the entire passage, but you see later in Isaiah 40, verse 9, it says, Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. What do you, what do you hear there? Good news. You hear good news here. And it's the gospel. It's the same, same word as the gospel here. That's euangelion. So with that, there's also this next part here. Behold, the Lord comes with his might and his arm rules for him and his recompense before him. So here's a declaration. A herald is singing the good news, singing the, the gospel coming. And it's in the context of God being present to his people, God coming to his people. So that's really the advent here. We're getting to that point where the announcement of the gospel is here and God is coming to visit his people. That's fascinating. Yeah. And it's really helpful for me how you were explaining that word, because I think that when we read the Gospels, we tend to just skip over that first verse. Or even when we celebrate Advent every year, we forget to be absolutely stunned by the remarkable event that has taken place. And yet, for the people who are reading this Gospel passage in Jesus's day or shortly after, it was absolutely earth shattering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the light bulb was going off because they know all the historical context. And in particular, there's the, the prepare the way of the Lord. So here's this, as we're entering into Advent, we're preparing our hearts for the, the coming of the Lord. One of the things that I want to highlight too, is just how does this relate to our lives? And I think there's there's many good things, as I mentioned, like, you know, getting a puppy for Christmas or whatnot. There's good things in the world, and we should celebrate those good things. And maybe there's there's things that we're waiting for in our lives. Maybe it has something to do with the job. Maybe it has something to do with our schoolwork, or maybe it has something to do with vocation. So I do a lot of coaching for Catholic singles, and 
this comes up a lot. There's a lot of anxiety around vocation. And there's a really good thing to be anticipating vocation to come, whether it's religious life or a consecrated life or marriage and, and family life and those sorts of things. Those are really good things. But I think what Advent does is, again, we don't know when the second coming is happening. It teaches us to live on God's time. And, and that's one of the messages is like to hope in the Lord, to know that he is a, a good God and he's going to help us give us what, what is good for us in his time. Yeah, I think that's a very important lesson in Advent. And I don't do coaching, but I receive a lot of people's prayer requests. And I think that one of the most difficult prayer requests that people give me is just, I want to be married and I haven't found the right person yet. Mm -hmm. And so it can be really difficult to be joyfully waiting when you just wish that you were in your vocation. And yet we have the temptation to live in the future. And every time somebody goes on a date to think, well, maybe this is the person. The temptation there is to not be living in the present moment. And the journey of Advent is part of the gift. We are not able to receive the gift at Christmas unless we've prepared our hearts through Advent. And as painful as it sometimes is, when somebody is waiting for something in the future, they have to trust in God's timing and try to live in the present moment, knowing that He is preparing their hearts to receive the gift that He wants to give them. Exactly. I think what stands out to me is like living in the present moment, there's a joyful anticipation. It's Kind of they, they talk about about the journey, and, and that's one of the blessings of Advent is that we get to journey in, in this time of waiting, anticipation, and preparation. I, I think one of the things as I, I've done coaching and, and talked to people about this, a couple of different temptations that people go, one which is becoming overly self-reliant, which is like, you know, I got to ask every woman out that is single and really just trying to have that mentality that can cause a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. In addition to that is the flip side where it's like over-spiritualization, which might sound a little bit funny being on a spiritual podcast, but there's this part of, oh yeah, you know, God's going to take care of it. He's just going to bring me that person when when his time, I don't need to do anything. But there is something about prepar preparation, which we're going to talk about practicals in a moment here of why it's it's so important to be not just praying, but actually discerning what's God's will in terms of taking practical steps forward. Mm -hmm. So there's a, instead of it just kind of let go and let God, which I think has its time and place, really praying, actively listening to the voice of God, and then taking those steps forward. So I think that this is a good segue into terms of talking about practicals for Advent here and continuing as we we go along in this gospel, according to Mark, is Mark 1, 4 to 8. Yeah, and I'll read that in just a second. But I, I just want to comment on what you said. I think that you're right that people can either be self-reliant and just completely depend on themselves for the thing that they are waiting for, or they can also have an anxiety, like, is taking steps towards the thing that I want, am I not waiting on God? Am I not trusting in God to do things? And you're right. It is an over-spiritualization or perhaps it's not an over-spiritualization, but they're not cooperating with the grace that God is giving them. Sure. And so it's a yep. really important thing to take those steps to actively cooperate with God's grace. And so that is 
part of the way that we prepare for the coming of Jesus at Christmas. So let's see. You said Mark 1 to 8? 1, 4 to 8. 4 to 8. Okay. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and had a leather girdle around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So this is a beautiful scripture passage, and I've, I've always had a devotion to John the Baptist because he's the one who prepares people's hearts to receive Jesus. And I think that my role in focus, but also all of us who are trying to be disciples of Jesus and help others enter into discipleship, we kind of have a role like John the Baptist. We're trying to help others prepare their hearts so that they can receive Jesus for the first time or in a deeper way. So let's talk about how we can prepare our own hearts to receive Jesus this Advent. So first of all, people have often asked whether or not Advent is a penitential season. And I think there's some confusion here because it did used to be a penitential season, but it is not included in the penitential seasons anymore. The general norms for the liturgical year and calendar, number 39, states Advent has a twofold character, for it is a time of preparation for the solemnities of Christmas, in which the first coming of the Son of God to humanity is remembered, and likewise a time when, by remembrance of this, minds and hearts are led to look forward to Christ's second coming at the end of time. For these two reasons, Advent is a period of devout and expectant delight. So it describes Advent as a time of preparation and also a time of delight. And so I think that while Advent is not considered a penitential season any longer, it does still retain some of the character of a penitential season. For instance, the priest is wearing purple. We're not singing the Gloria. But even though it's not technically a penitential season, penance is a great way to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord. Yeah, and I would add into that, we have John the Baptist appearing in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So just as you're saying with John the Baptist, he is the one who brings Christ in the world. That I think is a very fair point that one of the ways we prepare our hearts, like John the Baptist, is engaging in repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Some people in Focus know that for um, three years, I discerned my vocation with the Poor Clares. So I was in a monastic community. It was a cloistered community. And something about the Poor Clares is that they're Franciscans. So they're kind of like Franciscan Carmelites, if you will. But part of the spirituality of the Poor Clares is joyful penance. And they always put those two words together, joyful penance. And when a postulant is requesting to receive the habit, there are certain things that she says, and it's a script that's written out that's been used for hundreds of years. And she asks the abbess to admit her into the community to do joyful penance, although she is unworthy. 
And I remember my novice mistress once said, yeah, when I had to say that over and over again, I thought, well, I'm glad I'm not worthy to do this much penance. But I just loved that joyful penance was part of the poor Claire spirituality because we don't often think of penance as joyful. Right. And yet it is because the heart of penance is conversion, which is turning towards Jesus. So when we do penance, what we're really trying to do is let go of all of the things that are holding us back from turning to Jesus, especially the attitudes of mind and heart that are preventing us from receiving Jesus in a deeper way. One practice that I would encourage to people that I got from my convent is giving up social media or just having a little less noise during Advent. So for the poor Clares, we actually started our penitential season of Advent on the Feast of St. Martin on November 10th. And we would start off with just some lighter penance of not receiving mail, not receiving the letters that people sent us. And the reason we did that is just so that we could have more silence, more time to calm our thoughts and to focus on Jesus. And while most of the people in the world today are not anxiously awaiting letters from their friends and family, they can maybe get on Facebook a little bit less or maybe not at all during Advent. But I think that that's so beneficial just to calm your mind so that you can focus more on Jesus and not the news cycle or whatever your friend bought that they posted on the internet. Yeah. And I think that's a very good point. It's like, there's so much noise and especially around Advent time, I should say, leading up to Christmas, there's just so much commercialization and with whether it be on social media or on, on TV, there's, there's just so much noise and so much distraction that can actually take us away from being able to enter into the, the spirit of the season in preparing our hearts for the Lord. Now, I don't know how you feel about Christmas music, quote unquote, because <laughs> everybody starts listening to Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving. And now it's like Thanksgiving night. <laughs> right, exactly. And then they stop, you know, Christmas afternoon. Yep. But people don't seem to realize that there are actually other Advent songs besides O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. <laughs> I used to love singing Advent songs in the convent, but the world does not know about them. And so you hear Christmas music all the time. And for penance, a lot of times I will actually choose to not listen to music in my car or anywhere else, just so that I can enter more deeply into silence and that the first song that I hear is one of the songs at Christmas Mass. I love breaking the silence mm. that way. Wow. But I've actually had something of a conversion regarding <laughs> Christmas music because I was so stubborn when I left the convent. Like, I am not listening to Christmas music until it is actually Christmas. But then I realized this is one thing that the world does, and it's acknowledging religion. It's acknowledging Jesus and that our world history was forever changed because he was born. And they're actually playing songs like A Little Town of Bethlehem in shopping malls and at the dentist office. So I thought, you know, I think I should affirm the world in that. So even though I'm still slightly grumpy that the only Advent song that they play is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, I, I have converted to listening to Christmas music. And I think that you have a point there. There's maybe seasons in life or a time and a place that's up for you to discern of maybe this Advent, I just want to be just taking a break from music. And Christmas music in particular, and then listening to Christmas music at Christmas mass. 
it just kind of struck me. It's, it is one of my pet peeves. I will, I will agree with you on this set. There's that whole lead up to Christmas. Everything's happy, celebrate on Christmas Day. And then the next day, even Christian Protestant radio stations are back to the, their, their old worship music, their non, non Christmas music. So it, it is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine as well. But I, I think that that's a really in, in, interesting point that you have there about the world is engaging in Christmas. And so to allow the world to bring those Christmas songs and remember the Christmas season, and then to be able to even have conversations based on that with family members who maybe are lukewarm or fallen away, sometimes that can be a bridge. And I think that that's a, quite a wise thing to, to identify that our culture has. So maybe, I don't know, fourth week of Advent, which of course this year is like one day, but fourth week of Advent, maybe start listening to the Christmas music. I don't know. Or, or that, that's kind of up to you as the, the listener to really discern that. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I've had a little bit of a conversion about is the giving of presents. I think that there is an argument to be made that Christmas has become way too commercialized and that people get way too many presents. But at the same time, I began thinking one year that Jesus is the gift that the Father gives us. Mm -hmm. And so that we're so joyful, it makes sense to give presents to the people that we love because we're being like the Father mm -hmm. and we're giving a good gift to others. And so another practice that I would recommend that people engage in in Advent is almsgiving. So you want to give a gift to the poor, to those who are in need. And one gift that people might consider is giving the amount of money that it would take to register a student for SEEK. Uh, or somebody else who's in need of the funds to go to the conference. But almsgiving, it helps us to focus on the needs of others, but also just that spirit of gift giving at that time of year really helps us to enter into the Father's heart and the Father's mindset. That's Wow, that's quite profound. I haven't really thought of it in that way, of entering into the, the Father's heart and being able to, to provide in that way. That is, that is quite profound. So last thing that I'd recommend for our listeners to do this Advent uh, is prayer. So really what we're recommending is what's recommended to you every Lent, which is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. But what I would recommend is praying specifically with the liturgy. So just like that gospel passage that we read, you can get so much even from that first sentence. You can get so much from the prayers of the Mass. And yet, how often do I go to even daily mass and I completely miss the collect or the prayer over the gifts, whatever uh, it might be. Usually every day for me. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Well, and it's so easy to miss because the priest, he often says it very quickly and maybe you're not following along in a book. But if we really pray with those prayers, it's kind of amazing to think that these are the prayers which Mother Church has said that every person in the entire world is going to be praying all together. And Jesus says, if two or three of you agree upon earth about anything you shall ask for, it shall be given to you by my Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. That's Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. That's a really big promise. All we have to do is agree. And so Mother <laughs> Church has written out the prayers that we are going to pray, the petitions that we are going to pray. And so I really want to be praying those prayers at Mass. And every year, I pray the exact same thing at Christmas Mass. And do I know what it is? Not normally. And so it's a really good practice to look up what those prayers are beforehand and see, oh, 
in all of the Christmas masses, mass at midnight, mass at dawn, and mass during the day, we're asking God to give us joy that the Savior has come. And so we're asking God to kind of break through the familiarity of it and give us joy. And we're also asking God to transform us into Christ's likeness. Those are such powerful prayers. And we can actually be praying them on such a deeper level if we look at them beforehand and almost do a Lexio Divina with these prayers. Mm. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's that's a great, great word of advice to get people thinking about the prayers because it's like readings tend to be central. And that would be typically my advice is like, look at the readings beforehand, read the readings, maybe every morning before Sunday mass. And so you get that conversation going. That's something you certainly can do. But I, I think the, these prayers are so forgotten oftentimes. And where where do you recommend people go to access the prayers and look them up if they're preparing for mass? I look mine up on iBrevery, but you could also find them in the Missal. But just look up those prayers. You know, another thing that I do, this is just my own little tradition. I absolutely love the O antiphons mm. from the divine office, evening prayer. And when you get to a certain date in December, December 17th, then the canticle of Mary has an antiphon before it that's related to salvation history. Mm. And it is referring to the Lord by a certain title from salvation history. And it always starts with O. So the first one is O wisdom, O holy word of God. Mm. And you get into O lawgiver uh, when the people are at Mount Sinai. And eventually you'll work up to O king of nations. And then the last one is O Emmanuel. And so every year I like to pray with the O antiphons and kind of pick which one is my favorite for this year? What's my theme for this year? And in my convent, we used to theme the food every day <laughs> according to the O antiphon. Wow. So it's really easy if you're trying to pick food for O King of Nations. You just do international food. Mm. But if you've got O Orians or O Lawgiver, you've got a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah. So I think it's kind of fun. But what, do you, what do you do for the lawgiver? For the lawgiver? Okay, so one year, Sister Mary Therese was the cook, and she made eggs with hot sauce, and the hot sauce was supposed to symbolize the flames that came down on Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Was it like really hot sauce, like oh, yeah. blazing yeah. buffalo wild wings not all, hot sauce? Not all the sisters could handle it, <laughs> but you know that's the kind of symbolism you yes, got to have. That's right. For a root of David, you usually have root vegetables. Huh. Uh, but you can get creative with it. It's kind of fun. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. So in, in order to, to kind of sum up the practicals, what do we have? Some form of penance. We have prayer, which was that mm -hmm. last one. And almsgiving was in there. Mm -hmm. Any Anything else in particular? I guess fasting was a little bit part of that. Where I guess prayer, almsgiving, and uh, fasting is, is yes. kind of just this. But like we, we talked about music, right? Yes. So that just... Mm -hmm. It, making that discernment and, and noise, I think, is more in particular. Yeah. And nobody wants to fast during Advent because that is the time of year where you've got the cookies and the eggnog and everything is so delicious and sugary. Yeah. But if you fast even a little bit, then when you feast at Christmas, you're going to enter into that feasting with so much more joy and anticipation. And 
as Catholics, we get eight days of Christmas. That's Don't forget right. that. That's right. So as it should be. Be sure to drink that all that eggnog once you get to Christmas and, and beyond. Exactly. And you get discounts too because I think they start discount. Actually, I don't know until <laughs> if it's until New Year's Eve or something like that. But sometimes it's some advantages that we have as Catholics is, hey, jokes on you, secular world. We're still celebrating and we get this discount candy. <laughs> I never thought about it that way, but that is a very good point. Awesome. Well, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Seek Podcast. We really appreciate you joining and listening. And please check out our podcast. Mine is Catholic Single and Flourishing, which you can find on all podcast platforms. And minus He Leadeth Me. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. God bless you all and have a solemn Advent. Thank you so much for listening, friends. For more content from this podcast, please click the link in the episode description. And I invite you to come join us in St. Louis, Missouri, in encountering the person of Jesus Christ at Seek 24, from January the 1st through January the 5th. For more information and to learn how to register, please visit seek.focus.org.